Whether you're a professional dancer or just started falling in love with ballet dance, welcome to the Ballet Dance Life podcast. Here, we are diving deep into all facets of ballet dance world that cannot be found in a workshop or an audience seat. Every week, you will find new, honest, thought-provoking, inspiring, and educational conversation with top leading professionals of our industry. I'm your host, Jana Komornitska, and I'm honored that you are part of our dance tribe. Hello, everyone! How are you doing? How is your dancing going? And how's the challenge going so far? We are literally midway through. Today will be the third video released from Igor Kishka and we already have two parts from me and from Dalia that I see so many of you posted your videos and it's so cool uh, to see you dancing uh, this uh, choreography created by five different teachers. So three videos is already posted two more to go from Cassandra Fox and from Sadi and it's gonna be so excited to put everything together and see this drum solo in action and in uh, your videos too. So if you haven't seen uh, the third video or you don't even know what I'm talking about, go ahead and check the webpage of the challenge at yanadels.com challenge. The link will be in the show notes to this episode, so you can click there and see uh, what is going on and what an awesome uh, gifts uh, we prepared for you. For everyone who uh, completed the challenge, all of you will have a chance to win awesome gifts and we have more than a dozen, so this time will be a lot of lucky winners. And what counts is participation, because we are not competing with each other, we are competing with our own laziness and our own excuses. We all do have time if uh, we want something to do, so just make it happen. <laughs> And continuing the topic of Instagram challenge, I decided to put together uh, one of the uh, best of episodes. Uh, to be honest, I really love doing them from time to time, even then I sometimes have interviews actually prepared and can't wait to release them. But I kind of feel it's super useful and inspiring to go back and to review some of our conversations and especially hear them back to back whenever artist and our guest talking about some specific topic and uh, uh, symbolically since we are uh, now currently running social media uh, dance challenge i decided to put an episode about social media how much role does it play in today's dancer career can it actually be a powerful tool for promotion how to deal with all uh, negative stuff that we also get from social media all this i put together in one episode and you will hear from four previous guests and uh, stay till the end because it's super cool to hear about different aspects of what social media brings to our life and different approaches and different stories and some will be completely opposite to each other so in this episode you will hear four parts first one will be from Sadie and uh, she will be talking about her story and her introduction (laughs) to the social media and specifically YouTube and everything that came out of there Then we'll follow 
uh, with uh, Cassandra Fox and her experience as uh, also social media queen and how she deals with uh, both sides of uh, uh, people's feedback on social media and by the way both of these artists are part of our current challenge too then we will continue with um, Mercedes Nieto who had very interesting insight on how social media today affects the festival environment and can it really substitute the festival life and opportunities that festival brings to the dancers and how to use it in air a thoughtful and effective way to promote your dance uh, art today and we will sum up everything with uh, Carmen Fragoso who also had an amazing incredible story of success uh, specifically uh, because of social media not only because of social media but a separate chapter of her dance success was because of social uh, media and she will share her story and some tips uh, for you that you can also apply in your dance activity so i know you're very impatient to uh, dive in and listen to all this also want to remind that all these parts are from previous interviews and if you want to go back and listen to the full one hour conversation with each of these artists you can go back and uh, uh, review the full episodes uh, links to all episodes with full interviews will be also in the show notes we can just uh, take a look there click and go to the full amazing conversations with this artist and on this note i also want to remind you about our amazing supporters balladance evolution who stays with us from almost the very beginning of this podcast jelena's bd is excited to debut their fifth production the jungle book at the world of orient festival in march 2020 Jelena takes you on a magical adventure following Mowgli through the jungles of India. The story is brought to life through colorful and vibrant international dances performed by Kapoa, Shannon D'Souza, Luna Pumian, and of course Jelena with new music by Paul Dinletier and Kader Ahmed. See show dates at belladanceevolution.com or audition for the cast at joinbd.com. I also know that you have a very funny story with your first YouTube video. Uh, I remember you was mentioning years ago that I was um, attending one of your workshops that you uh, suddenly found out yourself on YouTube one day. <laughs> yeah, so, you know, it's, it's really fascinating that I sort of came up uh, in my training, but also in my profession right before just before any social media became popular. So um, I was just getting my start and I was just starting to perform around the United States, outside of my city where I live, and then just starting to get invitations internationally and everything just before YouTube happened. So, and me, um, not being a really tech savvy person, not being a person that's all that interested to engage in social media on really deep levels. I mean, I find it very uh, useful and and I appreciate it, but I'm just not the kind of person who's like, yeah, I want to be on social media all the time. So um, I didn't know even what YouTube was. And I had a friend at a show I was performing at one of my local events here. And he was also a performer. 
and he, he knew about YouTube and he said, Hey, did you know that you have a YouTube video with like, at the time, I guess I had maybe almost a million views or something on it. And I'm like, Mm. what is YouTube and what are you talking about? So my first initial inclination was I was a little bit, um, offended because I didn't know what YouTube was and I didn't know how there was a video of me on this thing called YouTube without my permission. So then I went and I checked out what was YouTube and it was one of the first belly dance videos that was put up with, um, by a woman that called herself belly bunny. And I don't know if this woman is still active on there, but you know, she posted a video of me and she posted some videos of Dina and a couple other videos that were some of the first belly dance videos that got posted on YouTube. Um, and yeah, so it was, a, it was just an interesting kind of like, Oh, what is this YouTube? And what is this? And I just didn't know how I felt about it. I thought it was a little bit of an invasion of privacy. And then uh, that just continued to happen. I mean, over the years, more and more videos went up and I'm sure many dancers have had the same similar experience now where it's kind of a double-edged sword. There's, you get this free promotion and it's nice that people have promoted you on there. But at the same time, I think there's just such a um, egregious trend going on in social media where people just take content and steal content and post things without permission. And it's still something that I feel not so, so happy about, you know, so it is a double-edged sword. And that was kind of how that happened. My initial experience with YouTube However, I can't really complain because it did end up to go viral and it ended up being a great promotional tool for me. So those were my first introductions with YouTube. (laughs) That's also so interesting to sort of keep a track of how the tendencies uh, changes over time. Because as you mentioned, you start uh, receiving international invitations and performances to teach and uh, to shows even before you start putting anything out on social media. And today I kind of feel that many dancers put too much attention on social media and use it as a promotion because it's a great promotional tool. But I try to imagine how it would be for many of dancers if there was no such thing as social media. So can you tell us, please, share uh, share what you think was the key or how your professional development took place uh, when you transform from student or just dancing for yourself to the level that you are already teaching or having dance as your profession and going to perform and teach internationally? How was that transition looked for you? So it sounds like there's a couple questions there. Um, I guess I'll start first with my professional transition and then sort of Mm -hmm. speak a little bit about how dancers engage with reaching their audience because that's kind of what that question refers to. So Um, For me, it was a very, very natural progression. And in fact, I didn't have any agenda or motive to actually really be a professional at at belly dance. It just wasn't my motivation at first. And I was kind of pursuing other career goals. And I guess I just didn't even know what that would look like or what kind of a possibility there was in that. Um, You know, the whole community globally and internationally was much smaller when I was when I had started. There's still a huge following, but um, it was kind of like the festival circuit was, you know, I I think the amount of festivals we have now is you could never even know. I mean, it's like every weekend in every country and every city, there's like several festivals. I mean, it wasn't like that when I started. There was a couple Mm -hmm. of 
really well-known festivals around the world that were the most popular ones, that were the pilgrimage that dancers from all over the world would come to, like Rakasa and, you know, Belly Dancer of the Universe and things like that. So Mm. it was just a much more condensed community to know, like, hey, that's the place to go if you want to get seen. And, hey, that's the place to go if you want to do this competition. So it was a little bit easier to navigate at the time. And I think it was it was much more grassroots in terms of like you kind of needed to get you didn't have to, but you sort of had to have a little bit of a lineage um, because nobody was going to give you credibility in the community or take you serious if you just showed up without any kind of a lineage of like who was your teacher and who was your teacher's teacher. And those things were kind of important then to people so it couldn't be like you could just show up like we do now on social media and slap on a costume and Mm. shake and wiggle and practice on your own at home and and then call yourself a professional um I think it's kind of similar if you think of like martial arts or things too is like the lineage of your your teacher is really important and to have that respect and to actually consider it an honor to share that lineage whereas nowadays it's kind of like almost people don't want to share it and I don't know why because maybe they want to take the credit for everything and they don't want to give credit back to their teacher which then means the credit goes back to the original source of the culture as well so I think there's a lot of issues with that um Mm -hmm. my teachers I, I did receive all the blessings of my teachers so had it not been for a couple of pivotal teachers in my life I don't think I would be a professional because they actually pushed me they were the ones who pushed me. And in fact, one of my teachers, you know, got me a job at the first restaurant I danced in. And she also got me the job that got me the viral YouTube video and my first belly dance DVD. So when she went to California, she told the big promoters there, like, hey, you got to check my student out. She's really good. So they contacted me and because of my teacher. And then also I had another teacher here locally who had a, a business doing booking talent and dancers out on different corporate events and local gigs and fairs and different things like that. And she used to get me a lot of jobs as well, but I had to go through her training program in order to do that because for her, I was representing her company. And so in order to do that, I had to be a professional and I had to behave in a certain way. So, you know, there was this really strong responsibility to the community and to your teacher and, to a lot of things that I think students don't have any, a lot of students don't feel that responsibility anymore. So, and then on top of that, I did take some, you know, I was a little ambitious as well. There came a point where I said, Hey, this is getting kind of fun and I'm getting more confident. You know, I was really young and a little shy to begin with. So I started to build my confidence in myself. And then I started to pursue some of the other opportunities like dancing on the Rakasa open stage and going to some of the competitions. And, and that was where I got seen. That was where Susie Evans of IMED and Maher of Hollywood music center and bellydance.com and people like that, they would see me for the first time. And then they invited me to do more opportunities. So a lot of the opportunities and networking was really organic. It was, done in person, you know, or maybe you would send a submission, but I feel like it was just so much more organic. It was that you had to be somewhere, you had to show up and you had to participate in the community. So if I wanted the community to see me and 
take me serious, I had to show up to where the community was going to be, which was one of these big festivals, put myself out there and work hard and show how hard I had mm-hmm. been working and have the people say yes or no to whether or not I looked like I could go to the next level. And it was kind of putting yourself out there on the chopping block in a way to be um, voted by your peers, but also those within the community who were making things happen to say, yes, I want to work with you. So I don't know if that's good or bad. I, I, you know, it was what it was for me at the time. And I felt really connected to, to that process and to, like I said, the responsibility of that process. So it was quite different. And then when social media hit, um, I don't feel that process almost at all anymore. So um, again, as I said, I don't know that it's good or bad. It was just sort of the, the way it was when I came up and we all have our modalities of how, how we reach our audience. So even before I came on the scene, you know, my teachers had to reach their audience. And so it's kind of this combination of getting your blessings from your community and having your community support you and integrate you into the community. But then it's also finding a way to create opportunities for yourself. So I always had to create opportunity for myself too. I mean, there would never have been enough jobs to make a career or a living out of this had I not created my own opportunities. Mm. And then you have to grow with the times. I mean, times are changing super fast. I mean, they cha- they have been changing fast even since I started, but now it just seems like every couple of years we have a new way that we have to be able to reach our audience, that we have to engage in reaching our audience. And so uh, it's really important that you are reaching your, your audience or you may not have a job. So if people are wanting to do this as a career, they have to take some time and understanding how you reach your audience. And so I don't, I, I don't know if that answers your other question about how, you know, cause the way that I did it is different from how girls are, or dancers are having to do it today with the social media. There's so much competition. There's just a lot more competition now. Seeing you being so positive and uh, enthusiastic about uh, social media, despite everything that is actually happening there, it's uh, really, really encouraging. And uh, I actually would like to ask you, we already talked about it, but for all those uh, uh, women who I know a lot of um, girls and women struggle with uh, putting their first videos online. I even experienced that a couple months ago I was doing an Instagram challenge Then we asked actually people to film and put these videos online. And quite a few messages that they are very uh, afraid of it or some actually posted and then like message like, oh, I'm so terrified because of the fear of feedback that they can get from general people who they don't even know never would meet in their lives etc but they're still afraid of it so how to keep staying yourself and doing what you want to do despite all the fear that you can have around people's reactions on it like there's two for me I separate there's two kinds of and I say in quotations negative comments. They're negative comments that are personal attacks and that's what I count as a true negative comment. And then there are negative comments that are actually just constructive criticism. Mm-hmm. So I have a hard time counting constructive criticism as a negative comment because chances are at any point in your dance life career, even when you're professional no matter where you are, you're A always still a student and B there's probably always something that can get better. Um so I always consider 
constructive or like comments that are negative about the dancing because maybe they're seeing something that I don't see because they're looking at it with fresh eyes. So I think you can actually use that as a tool on something that needs to be worked on. And I know, you know, when we're insecure about something and we know something needs work, we don't like hearing it from someone else. We don't want it to be confirmed. <laughs> mm, yeah. But we we need it to sometimes. And you just sort of have to like, you know, tilt your chin up and be like, yeah, I know that that needs work. Better work on it. And then there's also stylistic things that you have to decide if it feels genuine to you, maybe you don't want to change that. So just as an example, one thing for me that I got feedback on that was mixed, either people, it's, it always seems split. It, either people loved it or hated it, um, was how animated my face is when I dance. <laughs> and it, it, like I said, it's split. Some people found it too much or it's too distracting and others absolutely love it. I would say the majority mm-hmm. have liked it, but there's still those who are like, I can't stand it. Um, and I decided for me, that was a very genuine part of myself in my dancing. And I didn't want to lose that. And I respect that if you don't like it, it's not your thing. You don't have to watch it, you know, go watch someone who's more in line with what you want to see in a dancer. But I was not prepared to change that. I decided after I thought about it and mulled and I watched and I was like, no, that's me. That's, you know, and that's sort of where you have to sort of really decide between perfection and genuineness and what is perfection in art perfection is going to vary from person to person I don't think perfection in art exists mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I think what motivates a lot of art is expression not perfection um, having to say something or express something or get something out there so that was one just as an example that you know I could have made the choice that okay maybe I should change that so more people like it but I was like no man I like it <laughs> that's <laughs> that's me. And that, that came out of a very genuine place that that was never practiced or something that I thought like, Oh, I want to do that. That was just something that came out and I want to keep that. Um, but versus like another example would be someone's, you know, at at one point on YouTube, um, you know, someone pointed my left T-Rex arm, which was very much an actual technique issue going on in the first couple of years. The left arm was just sort of T-Rexing in the background, you know, (laughs) arm stuck to you and the hand flipped down. And and that's not being hateful. The arm was T-Rexing. It needed work. Like, (laughs) got to work on it. I'm proud to say I don't T-Rex nearly as much anymore. Knock on wood. So (laughs) that would be dealt with. And then true negativity for me are personal attacks. Like, this sucks. You're ugly. Okay. Bye. Um, And and I think having a realistic view, not everyone's going to think you're pretty. Do I personally think they needed to say that? No. I thought they're being mean. They're trying to tear you down. Mm -hmm. But when someone's trying to tear you down like that, they're dealing with their own baggage for whatever reason. Um, And I just let them deal with it. Like, okay, I'm ugly. So what? So for these, if you're having, if you're struggling with posting that first video, I think if you're honest with yourself about what needs work on it and that you want to improve and that negativity is a guarantee at any point, as is positivity, you know, you just, you ride through it. It's like going out on the ocean. You might get some waves. You have to, you have to flow with it. Mm. <laughs> um, I feel like, you know, take that step if you, if you want to and really give yourself the chance because you'll grow more and you'll get to interact with, with other dancers. Um, but I think the most important thing is that you do it for you. If you do do it for validation to sort of, um, I guess, placate some insecurities, you may be setting yourself up for your insecurities to get worse. So I think maybe you have to look within and find your motivation for it and wonder if you can handle it going the wrong way. 
I have experienced being, you know, like roasted online when I first started, when I was new, the forums used to be a thing. Remember like buzz and belly dance forums. And those, those were things. Mm -hmm. Um, and I was, you know, totally new. It was within my first two years of, of dancing and there was a thread about me and my fusion. And some of the criticism in there was very legit. Um, and at the time, you know, looking back, if I'd have just read it and cried and thought they were being mean and bullying me and stopped dancing, I wouldn't be where I am. I read it and I cried. True story. Uh, <laughs> and then I read it again. And then I did some research and I tried to educate myself and I talked to the people in there and I'm actually friends with some of them now. Hmm. You know, you have to take it in consideration where they're coming from. Do I agree with everything I said? No. Do I agree with some of it? Yes. And also, like I said earlier, me being me, you know, I, I talked about it. I learned about it. And in my head, I was going, well, I'll show all of you. <laughs> hmm. I was like, I'm just going to get better. Watch. Wait. <laughs> this sort of like defiant to that but in order to get better and to show them you have to hear what they're saying mm. and and try to understand it so I, I've experienced that and it's really hard to see and like I said I cried I was like devastated I remember sitting there shaking and just being like oh my god then I read it again like a sort of like self-punishment <laughs> and I tried to defend myself but then you know you learn through these discussions and you know, there's there's a lot to gain from them if you can pull the positive from them. So I did it once one time a couple of years ago, and it feels like it's the same now. I did sort of like I tried to figure out the percentage of negativity I got to positivity hmm. and going on what you said when you're like one negative comment can seem to overpower hundreds of good ones. And, you know, my negativity that I receive is like less than five percent of total comments and messages. Hmm. But people even people going through comments focus on it. So someone scrolling through your comments, I'm always impressed and amazed by the amount of people who will jump to defend you when they see a negative comment. Oh, um, that's nice. Yeah. But it, it's funny that even people who aren't directly involved can get fixated on the negative comment, even though that they just scrolled past 50 positive ones to get to that one negative one. And you have a choice to say, why does that negative comment have more value than the positive? In, in theory, they have equal value. Mm -hmm. And obviously I know I'm not perfect, so maybe there's some truth in negativity, but I just want to focus on the messages that tell me like uh, good stuff. Like, Hey, I used to be really insecure about my body, but being UCB, seeing you be so comfortable in yours has helped me to feel better about it. What's a better message to read than that? Like you're helping someone else mm -hmm. live their life more fully, hopefully. Yeah, that's so true. And I heard uh, some time ago one sort of exercise <laughs> of uh, how to get out of this loop of focusing first of all on the negative comment that they can overcross everything that woman i don't remember what exactly the talk was about and what was her field but she was struggling a lot with the same problem of youtube and youtube in my own experience it's by some reason much more mean than facebook or instagram maybe because on youtube you can do uh, anonymous uh, profiles so it's yeah. not really you're doing it from your first name so people are more I wouldn't say brave, but um, nasty, I guess, like, because that's such comment is not the yeah. expression of bravery for sure, but they are more uh, jumping on to post something negative. But the woman was saying that she decided to do ex exercise that she's not gonna react or reply to any negative comment 
until she reacted and replied to every single positive comment that she had. And that just gave her a picture of how much actually positive things happening in the world and how much positive things we get as a feedback to whatever art or, I don't know, personal or business expression we put out in the world, we still will get much more positivity than negativity. And it just was an interesting exercise to sort of think how to limit the impact of that single one <laughs> yeah. unpleasant comment, not to overcross everything good that we uh, experience from other people and they are seeing our, our activities. So. Yeah, that actually sounds like a, an excellent exercise and that's a great tidbit because I think that would help a lot of people. Yeah. Do you think today we all talk about social media that it's such a huge thing, but do you think it really takes out uh, or can substitute the personal interaction? Like, Do you think it's more for... Someone who maybe started now, let's say, or thinking about going into a professional career, should it be still uh, more focused on social media or dance festivals still play a huge role in your development, both as an artist and potential, like, I don't know, networking? Or does social media take out these festivals <laughs> away? What do you think? Mm. What's your impression? Oh, this is a very, very complicated situation. And I think there are two things here. You mentioned um, development as an artist, as a performer, or broadcasting yourself as a, as a public person. I think there are two different things now. Um, before, it was basically quite the same because you travel to festivals, to other events, you try to show yourself um, just... You know, I think it was not so conscious back then. Like, yeah, people wanted to go on stage because they wanted other people to see them, obviously. But but it didn't have such a, an exact, well-defined purpose. You know, it was quite natural, I think. You go on stage, so people see you, so maybe you, you're going to have other invitations. But I think it was more like, um, I don't know, I, I would call it natural, a little more organic, um, a little less, um, focused on results. And then when social and then, okay. And then when after you perform and then you share it on social media, uh, then yeah, people see that you did it, but it was not like intentionally for that. Like I remember, um, when I studied to perform in Egypt, for example, especially when I got the chance to work there for short, short, like period, some performances, I didn't, even record my dances like I didn't like I didn't even think about that I want to you know I need it because I will need it for something later I felt like I just need the experience that this is why I'm here for I, I need to do it I need to see the faces of the people when I'm doing it and uh, and I was happy when I got the the photo later you know when you go on these boats when you're dancing in such boats and then the tanura dan the tanura dancer is coming and then the belly dancer goes around with the tanura dancer and then a photographer takes picture with them and the audience so I got some of those pictures me and the tanura dancers and the audience and I was super happy that I have them but I never had a, a video or something to share I, I mean it was not in my um spectrum it might be that I was yeah I was probably silly to not think about them but I mean it was not the, it, the context was very different back then. And now sometimes it's quite the opposite. Sometimes um, to perform, it means much less than to share that you perform there. You know, like, so that's the two things I think that 
if if you talk about growing as an artist or developing an artistic um, personality or a professional dancer's experience, then social media definitely cannot stop to substitute the personal experiences. You will not grow with social media. You can't just because you share um, what you do. It's not going to make you develop as an artist i mean at least i can't imagine how how it's going to make me layer than richer as an artist if i'm sharing something which is obviously not about not so much about getting to layers and depth right it's much more about surface let's be honest so if you talk about this i i do not think that social media is gonna make you um a better artist to develop obviously using it or or but in the other hand if if you are connected to social media, it means it also means that you can see more dancers. You're gonna have much more input and much more information and much more things happening that you can actually watch. That can help you as a viewer, as a, as a, as a participant in the whole social media craziness. Um, it can help you to get more um, inspiration, maybe. So uh, it can maybe give you some more, you know, insight to other dancers' lives, which is definitely inspiring. So in this way you can um, use that experience as an artist, but just be on social media and just to keep sharing things, just be an active social media user. It does not mean necessarily that you're going to be, a, you're going to develop as an artist. It needs you to be also a viewer. It needs you to, to accept the information that's coming from the others. And then, yes, then it can help you be richer, obviously, because you can see things that you could have never seen before, like 10 years ago. So that is a good thing, I guess. But it's definitely two sides of it. Another note on, on belly dance festivals is that also we have to be fair about looking at it as from a little bit of a distance, looking at the big picture. Um, when we talk about belly dance festivals, uh, what are we exactly talking about? What is happening now or what was happening, let's say, like 10 or 20 years ago? Because it's really different. Um, there are much more festivals um, in general all over the world than it used to be um, some of the events are smaller some of the events are bigger but it's more approachable it's more available to have a dance festival with one two three even few artists um, close to your city like I remember like 20-15 years ago um, yeah we had to wait for a year <laughs> to 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 actually have the chance to travel, for example, to Germany, where they had bigger festivals already that time, or, uh, or not to mention Egypt, when when suddenly we could gather the money after a few years of saving, <laughs> um, and we could actually travel to Cairo and experience real Egyptian festival. That was only one, and then later two, uh, and only of them existing, and then it became more and more. Uh, but I remember the first uh, few visits in Egypt were like, God, it was a different word. I went to Cairo and I forgot to eat for days. And I was living on Turkish coffee just to be able to, to be there in the classes nine hours a day. And, um, and then everyone came and did the same. And it was so many people from all over the world. Um, and it was like, it was just such a huge gathering, starting with Ahlan Masahman and the Nile group. And then they were growing more and more. And then, to me, to become a teacher in the Niagara Festival later on, for example, it was like a dream that was impossible to even dream of or think of earlier. Uh, I never thought I'm gonna, it's gonna happen to me. And I, I kept going back there for years as a student. And it was just, you know, it was okay. It was normal. I never planned anything else. I did love to 
to share my dance on the stage and I loved to to get to know teachers and other dancers and 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 be part of this crazy um wilding community but I didn't coding for a certain purpose it just it was building up year by year and I think it was the case of many other artists and um, not only with Egyptian festivals but also with European events or American events I guess um, it was somehow they had a little bit more weight than now because there were just a few and now it's like we have really a lot and the policies changed as well like um, there is a lot of approachable event, um, exchange basis sometimes, uh, yeah, they are very good platforms for, for, for starting dancers. And I don't think this is bad or this is, this has changed the situation to worst. I just think this had changed the situation and then we have to adjust it and we have to understand this is the way it goes. Uh, some festivals are still there who are big and, and and important and substantial and then there are some events that are still the same valuable but maybe they're smaller it's just too many uh at the moment to to generalize so we do have to be fair when we think about or when we talk about festivals in general um and yeah the exposure is have became an important part of it from from student point of view but it was kind of the same before like i i remember that when i went very first time I, to Egypt, it was 2000, I, I think four or three. Yeah, maybe even earlier. And anyway, so we were in classes and on workshops. And then being in a workshop with master teachers from Egypt, for example, um, it was, I felt the same excitement that I felt later on to be on the stage, you know? Um, that was the exposure to me that time. I felt like if I'm doing good in the class, then I'm like, you know, like, you know, they're going to see I'm doing it good. They're going to see how much I want it. <laughs> and I would like to refer to a photo that is still out there. Uh, it's a photo of Yusri Sharif and he's still using it. And we always joke about it because he really likes that photo. And I'm really like, it's like a really funny one. It's from 2000, yeah, like three or four. I don't know. First time I've been to Ahlam Asaklan and he, I was in his class and then he, we had a final pose on the end of his, his workshop, of the end of the choreography. And someone captured this final pose and he's standing in the front, reaching his arm to the people. And I'm standing right behind him, reaching my arm toward him and feeling like the word is mine because I'm just standing behind him and I succeed to learn his choreography and I, I succeed to be close to him. And, and I'm just, you know, I just felt like this is all, this is it. And it was such a, it was an amazing experience of great joy, but I don't think it's so different than, than a, what a dancer is, is, is planning to feel or expecting to feel when she's or he is going to a festival at our times to perform, for example. Um, I, I think we really need to put things in perspective before we judge certain situations. And I also do think that festival organizers, all of us, we have responsibility on which way we are we are we are bringing our events to so yeah we have to be fair about the whole situation but as organizers we also have to work on giving all the possibility for for the dancers who are coming those those ones who would want to come for the exposure they have to have some kind of possibility for that um, because that is going to be maybe a important milestone in their career maybe they're going to learn something important from it that's going to help them um, maybe it's going to help their career yes so that's a good thing um, to offer but in the same time keep offering the quality education 
you can and accepting that you're influencing people as well in your uh, own way from through your festival through the messages you send out because the festival has a lot of messages right like you every decision that organizers take has a, a has an importance and a message the artists you're choosing the topics they're going to give the extra activities you're going to have the the prices you set the locations you choose the way you communicate and yeah we do have to be very careful about that and that's our responsibility but yeah but before talking about festivals in general we do have to see the big picture and times are changing and there are different things that make people happy in different phases of their career now or back then um and it's just again it's a process so uh even someone going for an event to an event for example only to get some attention maybe a few years later the same person will realize that oh no like okay that was okay but now it's time for something else now i want to learn more or just i just want to do something else like give the chance to the person to learn also and and don't think that although i'm also not you know 100% fan of the the kind of uh going somewhere only for exposure approach but still we have to give the trust to the people that they know how it's going to help them they know that what they're going to do with their career and try to keep being optimistic believing that it's going to help and at the end of the day it's not that at the moment the festivals are more shallow or more superficial or less studying or whatever it's just different circumstances different kind of events much much more events many different approaches options opportunities and then students have changed approaches have changed we have to adjust um try to be fair and try to get the most out of it for ourselves and for our community um that can bring us forward in a way um and then the other hand what you um mentioned about social media if it if it substitutes the festival experience it it, it is tricky i as a, as a performer as as i said i don't think so um as a viewer, I don't know, it's, it happens many times that, for example, the judging of, about an event, like, like to, to, to create um, an opinion about an event, it is about how it is received on the social media. Like, for example, if, if there is an event that is not covered enough in the social media, it looks like it never happened. And then there is another kind of event which is super, super covered very intensely on the social media, nonstop lives, etc., it kind of feels more um, significant. So yeah, definitely social media um, influences our field, but it's completely different what you can get out of it than what you can get in a, in a festival. I don't think it should or it could um, substitute participating in a festival in any ways. I think the, the feeling, I mean, the experience when you participate in a live event is just like you can actually create real uh, relationships, connections, like not only to people, but also, you know, to to immerse yourself with the experience, uh, in the experience, in the flow of of how the event goes, how the other people um, uh, react to things, how how they dance, how they, what is the atmosphere in the classes, how the the teacher teaches you, like what what are the words, what is the, the approach. Um, you know, how is the atmosphere in the backstage, uh, you know, after the dinner, how, I mean, after the, the show, the Kate's dinner, how do you, what do you experience? I mean, there are so many little things, so many human connections, um, that you can only make when you're there. Uh, so I, 
I do think social media is really useful and good in some ways. And it's great that we can have some information and some inspiration that we couldn't have before. But in the other hand, it should not substitute the personal experiences. Of course, in case the, the person has chance and has opportunity and uh, has the, 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 the sources to participate in a, in a live event, I would definitely uh, advise that because that's the way you can actually grow. That's the way you can connect with people. Uh, you can really feel the, the, the vibe of, uh, of, of the community because it's not just about one and one, you know, social media is very much about one, one person. I mean, either you are the viewer, either you are the one who's sharing. Uh, I mean, it's very hard to create a community that is actually truly connecting on a, on a, on a, on a more human, more, more personal base. Um, I don't know. I'm, I have this very controversial, I don't know, idea about, uh, social media in general, but I do acknowledge the, the, the good things about it, but I, I do think it's, it's dangerously over, um, rated and over done in, in the belly dance community nowadays, which does not really help that much on long term, I'm afraid. So I don't have a very good opinion about it in general, but I do agree that there are a lot of really, really good things that comes with it. Like for example, this conversation we are having, uh, I mean, it's great that we can have it and then you can share it. And then so people can listen to it. And these are really great things, but there are a lot of traps, especially artistically that we should try to be aware of. I feel that the main trap is all social media boom which I honestly love social media, obviously, <laughs> doing all this social media project. But the main trap is that a lot of uh, young dancers, or not only young dancers, in general dancers, they kind of start feeling that the success comes so quick. And that's mm -hmm. the impression that comes from social media and certain, like, because social yeah. media only reflects the best moments, the high moments, it doesn't mm -hmm. reflect all those 10 years prior to that mm -hmm. overnight success or everything that mm -hmm. happens backstage. So, uh, but very curious to hear your opinion too about this, especially in terms of, um, the reason even I ask about festas because someone recently sent me a message that they would love to hear someone's opinion on podcast. If, if attending festivals is still useful, and I kind uh -huh. of felt it was connected to this boom of social media that we so uh -huh. much we can connect now via social media, which is awesome. And we can share and we can even learn. But uh, does it really mean that festivals go on the back? Like seats, are, like not really, it just has ups and downs on both social media and still in-person festivals. So... And I ask you because you are you're both festival organizer and you are very active teacher and participants on festivals on the uh, events. So I was really curious to know your opinion on, on that. <laughs> I also uh, noticed that you are very active not only in the performing uh, activities in Dubai, but you also do a lot of. Uh, um, Let's say social media, uh, and specifically, uh, you do a lot of sort of music videos. <laughs> it became part of your yes. <laughs> your activities too. Uh, how did it start? It uh, was it something specific on your mind that you start doing this mini uh, videos for Instagram, for YouTube, or is it something <laughs> came naturally yes. to you? 
Actually, I do these since uh, Mexico. My teaching timings. I don't know. I start like uh, you know what? I will do this video clip, and I did the first ones for uh, Hali. I went to the de- there's a desert part in my city. I make I just do it for fun, you know, for me, not uh, expecting to be famous, or not just to do something different. And I did this video clip, the first one in Mexico. Then uh, when I started really, really regularly doing them, it, I was in Bahrain. I had a contract there. And it was, um, I realized in Bahrain, if you are, uh, you have a business, doesn't matter which kind of business. If you don't have Instagram, you don't exist. You don't. You doesn't exist in 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 in, hmm. in Bahrain, huh. right? It's a small country, but everyone have a Instagram account for their business. It doesn't matter what they do. They sell cakes. If they make up, and okay, so I had a three month contract there, and my accommodation was inside the hotel, but it was far from everything. So honestly, I don't have too much options to go out. Or so all the time I was inside the hotel. So one time I started hanging out with Bahraini girls, local girls. And, you know, they invite me to be a model for, for uh, makeup because here in Middle East makeup is a huge mm-hmm. thing. So they say, Carmen, how much you charge for modeling? And I thought, no, I will not charge anything. I don't have anything to do, you know, I'm all day bored. So it was amazing. Uh, I, we started doing photo shoots and then I started learning how they run their business in their own homes. They buy these professional lightings and cameras and they do video clips for makeup, everything. And then I realized, wow, Instagram, it can be a really powerful tool for your business as they do it in Bahrain. So I think, look, I will start doing something useful of my time. <laughs> Really, I all day in hotel, so I went uh, buy my lighting, my professional uh, stand for my camera, and um, I buy a computer. And I start in my day. So I say, what I will do today? Uh, okay, I will do a Haliji tutorial, <laughs> and I did it, you know. And I will do mastery. And like this, because really I want to get a use in my, I want to get a useful use for my time, right? Mm-hmm. And then I start realizing that people like these videos and start sharing them. And uh, I I remember at that time I had like 2,000 followers on my Instagram, you know? And then when I start doing the photography and the modeling and the videos, increase 5,000, 10,000 like this. And I said, wow, it's really interesting. And really, in that time, I don't really use my social media as a powerful tool for connecting and for uh, get to know your work. It was just like a social page for my friends. And it was in Bahrain when I realized, wow, this can be really powerful, you know, if you use it wisely. So when I came back, I finished my contract and come back to Dubai. And one friend of mine, he told me, why you don't do Iraqi, Iraqi video? I said, Iraqi, you know, I'm not sure about it. And he pushed me, pushed me and said, you have to do Iraqi one. Do Jane Nakel Haya, you know. 
uh, this song. So, okay. I realized I did the recording. I didn't like it at all. But I said, okay, I have the material. I will try to be make the best of it. And I make the clip and suddenly, boom, you know, it became so viral, this video. And then, boom, 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 people started, you know, sharing it. And then I then I make the Tal video, which was the super, super viral video. And... Uh, that was the super hot song for the summer. This style was a huge thing in the Middle East here, every, mm-hmm. everywhere, the ladies' song. So I made it, and that's it. It became super viral, specifically in uh, in Iraq. It's crazy. Every day I saw how my song counted, like from 10,000. When I came back from Dubai, uh, from Bahrain, I had 10,000. Then 15, five zero, sixty. 70, 80, 100, 100. <laughs> like this has crazy, you know? Mm. And that's it. This is how everything starts. But really, well, social media, as I said, can be very powerful. And it's an amazing tool for people know your work. And it really opens doors, you know? Because I receive a lot of new offers and stuff coming from the Instagram. So, yeah, that was how everything starts. <laughs> And now I have um, another project, more professionals and like this, but everything starts as I told you now. Really, uh, I was looking for a way to do something useful <laughs> with my time because I was in, in this hotel, but that's it. I really love to do them. I enjoy I get involved in everything, what I will wear, what I will do, uh, the edition, and that's it. This is how it starts. That's so interesting. Uh, and do you do, have you done anything specific to to make those videos like popularize them and go viral? Because I know a lot of girls they treat social media now as a um, powerful promotional tool, which is indeed social media as a very powerful promotional tool. And you're one of the examples of this. Uh, but they are trying to focus a lot of like, okay, which which hashtag to put or which page to tag or to make someone repost. <laughs> so do, do you have any, did you use any kind of those uh, like, I don't know, hidden promotional techniques or is it just naturally went uh, viral those videos? <laughs> I swear, I thought um, they become viral. I don't look for them to be viral. Suddenly it happened, you know. Uh, there's also a famous, famous uh, program in Iraq, you know, and they played my video in this program, and it was a huge thing, you know. Actually, three days ago, I got a message. And telling me, Carmen, you are in everyone's WhatsApp here in Iraq. You are so famous. I was like, <laughs> wow, you know. I don't even use hashtags. This video is going to viral. I don't know how. Mm. And yeah, I, I really, I started learning, uh, I start, I learned to use the hashtag just like one month ago, you know, <laughs> really. I just happened like this. Oh. I never planned anything. <laughs> crazy. It's been crazy. Uh, yeah, you yeah, never know. Crazy. You never know when it when it works out. <laughs> That's great. Uh, I swear, yeah. 
Also, following following your social media, um, I noticed one po- recent uh, post that caught my attention, and and you wrote, uh, "Once you embrace your value, talents, and strengths, it neutralizes when others think less of you." What does it mean yes. for you? <laughs> Well, uh, many things, honestly, I don't know how to explain it, but of course, when you are in the social media and you are kind of public, like everyone, of course, takes the right to uh, give an opinion about you. I don't even know you, mm-hmm. right? Um, one time I went to one restaurant, the restaurant I'm working here, actually. I'm working this month in one very nice restaurant in, in Sheikh Zayed in, in Dubai downtown. And I went, I went as a guest. Okay. And, uh, of course, when you go to these places, you have to go well dressed. You know, as I mentioned before, mm-hmm. being the character of this sexy woman, you know, so of course it's your work. Anyway. So this time they take me to dance. They say, Carmen, please dance this song. So I went dance, whatever. And one friend take a video. I post this video on my Instagram and this video went viral as well. I around, I think, three million views in YouTube, right? I think one good part of this is I don't read Arabic. <laughs> so uh-huh. all the comments they say, I cannot understand them, which I consider a blessing, right? I don't want to know. What they play, why they grind, if it's good or bad. I think this is one very interesting uh, thing you have to do. It's not listening the comments bad or good. You have to be focused on who you are and that's it. Because really, you can it can drive you crazy, you know, if you, uh, if you read or you try to fight with everyone who don't agree with you, right? Or they have a bad opinion of you. But this message affects me. I don't know why, because I went to the message, to the comments, I, which I don't do it normally. And uh, one person put, I, uh, what he writes, he wrote, um, stop uh, putting uh, bitches or something like, don't put bitches dancing like if it's art. Something like this. Hmm. Right, some very a very mean comment, a very mean comment, like telling stop telling the idea that beat dance is art. It, it, he means belly dancing, and of course talking about me, and it really affects me. You know, it hurts me. It doesn't in that moment it hurts me because I say this guy don't even know me. You know, he don't even know my life. He don't even know, and and, and like it really hurts me. And then, as I mentioned, it's not only this. It's like the opinion people have about you, even you have to deal with this mentality, Middle East mentality, right? That because you are a dancer, uh, sometimes they believe you are sexually available or bigger. You know, this is something I cannot change. And this is um, their mentality coming from a very conservative country, and I don't blame them, you know, I don't blame them. And but I cannot change their mind, right? So this kind of comment really cannot cannot affect you if you don't have a strong dark uh, background, you know, or if you really 
don't believe in yourself or you are if you don't know who you are and if you don't have a strong like a family for example my family who support me and they believe in me and it can drive you crazy really and in this environment yeah and that's it that's why yeah and, and also opinion the opinions about your body right you have to be really strong because it's not easy like now if they call you fat or if they tell you you have to gain weight or what you know comment about your body about your personality about so really i put this uh, comment from the bottom of my heart because really if you know who you are and if the people you care they believe in you and they respect you and they love you you know what people say about you doesn't matter it, it shouldn't matter you know because you will die trying to make people accept you or to think up differently about you. Hmm. So yeah, that that was in a crisis moment, and I put it and I say, look, really, I don't care, and I consider it a blessing. I cannot understand comments. I know there is a good comment, of course, and of course there is bad comments, but I don't take my time to read them because for what, you know? Hmm. So yeah, that that that's the reason why I grew up. That's so true, and this uh, like internet ex- easy access to internet and social media just makes people. I would say let's let's call it how it is stupid and not realizing that they're actually talking about some someone about a person, and uh, I doubt half of them will tell anything like that actually in person face to face like some of them they may they are so crazy <laughs> that they can but like at least half people they will not yes, behave like yes. that in person but they think it's okay to do this on social media but thank you for sharing of your course. experience because i know it's uh it's a struggle pinpoint for many dancers who maybe in the beginning of their dance journey and they are afraid even to put out their videos specifically because of this kind of uh, feedback so thank you for sharing your experience that uh, how you deal with that and that it's uh it's not really about you as a dancer. It's about those crazy people who, who do those kind of things because of their own problems. <laughs> of course, yes. It's true. You can, as long as we understand, there's no way you will change them. And there is good people and there is mean people. But the important thing is to be really sure about who you are and your values and nothing else matters, really. That's it for today, guys. But before you go away, don't forget to screenshot this episode and share it with your friends. And if you post it on social media, please tag me and our guest because we love seeing who is listening to the podcast. Thanks for being with us and I'll see you next week. Same time, same place.